Listener discretion is advised for anyone under the age of 16. So maybe you're on a first date and you're like, hey, I don't know what to talk to this person about. Well, that's where Impractical Info comes in handy. It's all the weird information about things I already know, I read somewhere, or I don't know, I had some deep dive interest in and ended up in a rabbit hole and learned everything I could about it just because. Today we're going to talk about Adolf Hitler and drugs. Sort of interesting about this topic is the really dependent relationship that Adolf Hitler and his doctor had with each other. One couldn't really get by without the other. We'll get into that. There are loads of medical documents found in the U.S. about Hitler's health. Generally, he was considered in good health, but he was taking loads of different medications. Some are poisonous and others nothing special. Dr. Theodore Morell was his doctor and Hitler fell under his spell in 1936 as Hitler was a hypochondriac, which is somebody who often believes they're ill even when they're not. Dr. Morell ran a private clinic before he met Hitler and was offering medical aid in Berlin's sort of rich and famous circles. Originally, the Nazis shunned his services because he looked Jewish, so he had dark hair and dark eyes. I'm assuming then that no one had seen anyone else who was in the Nazi party, none of which who fit that bill of uh, the Aryan race. Anyways, Dr. Morell then joined the Nazi party, got more patients from the Nazi elite as a result, and then he heard about Hitler's medical problems. And this is really where our story starts to take off. So let's jump in. If you're really interested in World War II and Adolf Hitler in particular, there are certain things you might know um, that come up in this podcast, but there might be some new information as well. So I'd be curious to find out, you know, what is new to you? What is something you didn't know before this podcast? Um, so you can let me know at patreon.com slash impractical info. Uh, so Hitler had stomach cramps. He was a vegetarian, but he loved beans, apparently, which is obviously not great if you have gas as a problem. Apparently, he also had to have his food mashed up because his teeth were really bad, which also meant that he had horrible breath. Dr. Morell uh, grabbed his chance in 1936 and recommended a solution for Hitler's stomach troubles. And what he prescribed was m- Mutaflor, which is the first sort of indication of Morel's very unorthodox approach to medicine. Uh, he believed the cause of stomach cramps was a bad bacteria and thought that the cure would be good bacteria from the gut of a healthy person. This was first developed in World War One, and it was actually taken from the feces of a German soldier. Somehow Morell convinced Hitler to take these medications. The treatment appeared to work and Hitler said, Morell cured me. So this sort of solidified uh, what was to become their very dependent relationship. In 1937, Morell becomes the personal physician to the Fuhrer. Uh, most Nazis thought he was a quack and shouldn't have been practicing medicine on people. Uh, Which is pretty interesting because actually now a lot of his practices are used in veterinary medicine. Uh, So maybe they were right. Uh, Morell journaled his experiences and was obviously very close to Hitler and everything that was going on as his personal physician. 
And these journals are really interesting because usually when we read journals, we read them to learn about the person who wrote them. But actually from Morel's journals, we learn a lot about Hitler because his journals were entirely about the Fuhrer. He noted everything from Hitler's daily routines to detailed descriptions of sort of Hitler's mind, body, and the treatments that he was undergoing. Now, one example of these are, you know, to relax the Fuhrer after a failing invasion with the Soviet Union, he attached leeches to Hitler's temples to draw blood. Hitler apparently found these leeches unpleasant. Uh, Bloodletting isn't a thing anymore and doesn't produce long-term results, obviously. And at that time, also bloodletting had already sort of become unfashionable in terms of medicine. So when there were no results, Morel turned to more drastic remedies, which are hard drugs. He tried to sedate Hitler with barbiturates. Um, Barbiturates are drugs that are used for treating things like anxiety. They're kind of like a tranquilizer. So drugs that people come across if you take, you know, your pet to the vet to be put down. He also was giving him Brom Nervoset because Hitler was very jittery. He was very anxious. So he would give him a spoonful of this Brom Nervoset and apparently after that he slept fine. And then Hitler started taking these every night at Morel's suggestion. He began his days with a shot of glucose. So that's kind of like drinking a coke if you have a hangover it's kind of this like you know sugary shot of energy but it's interesting that he was actually injected with it because he didn't actually think that oral medicines were real medication he thought that injections were the only real form of medicating and then two injections became sort of this daily routine Um, And Hitler becomes so dependent on his doctor that he even invites him to come on holiday with him. To get a little more into Dr. Morell, uh, there are U.S. dossiers on Morell that describe him as someone who is very unlikely to become a favorite of someone so powerful. A quote that comes up is that he had the hygienic habits of a pig. He eats noisily, he slurps and burps, and he just kept getting fatter and fatter and apparently had very bad body odor so this was not somebody who themselves seemed to be very healthy but then who was in charge of the health of the head of a nation Um, morel profits obviously from his closeness to hitler especially in areas like hungary which was occupied by the nazis because that's where they were able to take over the chemical plants and then he used this closeness to actually get contracts to supply millions of tablets to the german population so you know morel obviously had other interests than just managing the health of the Fuhrer. There were obviously monetary gains to be had by having that sort of closeness to the head of the country. Hitler becomes very gloomy, morbid, when they start experiencing defeats, as you would assume. Tide of war starts to change, and that means he's turning to morale more and more. Um, In 1943, there's some notes about Hitler not sleeping and again having some anxiety. And he starts to notice that, like, the quality of his health is declining. So what does Morel do? Well, more drugs and harder drugs. They start off with this powerful painkiller for stomach cramps called Eucodol. It's morphine-based, just like heroin. Hitler used it around 24 times. One of at least 16 drugs that Morel was using to keep Hitler going. Um, Another was 
testoviron, which is the extract of bull semen. Yes, you heard that right. Um, this was supposed to boost his testosterone levels, and it was often given when Hitler was with Eva Braun. One drug that we probably are more familiar with today, and hopefully not familiar in the sense of like been around it, but we've heard the the name before is crystal meth. German soldiers were given pervitin, which is an early form of crystal meth. Millions of workers and housewives were taking this drug to keep them going through the hardships of war. Um, and it's said that when Hitler went to meet Mussolini, he was given pervitin um, and ranted at him nonstop for like two hours. And pervitin was one of those drugs, I believe, that Morel was manufacturing in those chemical plants that he took over. So by 1944, Hitler's drug use is excessive, okay, even by morale standards, which is saying quite a lot. Um, he worried that there was something fundamentally wrong with his patient. They find the answer to his concerns in his journals. So a documentary I was watching, they start looking at Hitler's uh, EKGs, which they still have, so that's Hitler's heartbeat. Um, and in 1941, it looks perfectly normal, but then they start to see changes over time um, and EKGs that were taken later on. Hitler thought he was dying um, and Morel was having a really tough time making him feel better. Part of that is probably failing health and the other part of that is like, you know, failing health as a result of taking a lot of different drugs and very frequently. Um, Hitler's heart was failing, but Morel had to keep him going somehow. So he prescribed him these two artificial stimulants, which is coramin and cortisol. They're both very powerful drugs. In lower doses, it can cause anxiety. So it can make you feel really edgy and stimulated. And if you remember from what I had mentioned before, well, Hitler was already like pretty an anxious guy. So you're now giving him these artificial stimulants that can make him more anxious. So what do you have to do then? You have to give him more sedatives to calm him down to counteract those stimulants. So it was this really dangerous cocktail of like uppers and downers all at once. Doctors today that look at his records are amazed that he was even able to function with all of the drugs he was on. Hitler's lifestyle started changing. He was staying up all night. He was sleeping in late. By June 6, 1944, D-Day will sort of decide the course of the war. And by July 14th, a huge number of allied groups are on Nazi soil. So within a year, Hitler and most of his inner circle would be dead. Nearing the end of the war, however, many of the higher-ups in the Nazi military wanted to make peace because they saw, of course, that they were on the losing side. So their plan was, okay, we'll get rid of Hitler, we'll blow up his headquarters, and the room Hitler had been in was actually obliterated. Four were killed, but the Fuhrer was not. So Morel starts giving more drugs each day in increasing amounts. Um, by July 1944, Hitler becomes even more dependent on Morel. Now, Morel's life is in danger because a lot of people close to Hitler still don't like Morel, but then a lot of them also want Hitler dead, and Morel is who's keeping Hitler going. They discovered that one of the medications he was giving Hitler for his flatulence uh, had strychnine in it, which is essentially rat poison. Um, Morel was accused of trying to poison his patient, and at this time, assassination attempts were punishable by execution. So you can sort of see this weird circle of like, Morel's trying to keep Hitler alive, they don't want Hitler alive, 
but they also don't want Morel around because he's keeping Hitler alive. So they're trying to find ways of accusing him of assassinating the Fuhrer to get rid of him. Anyways, Morel knew he was on shaky ground and the Fuhrer's response sort of surprised him. He actually supported Morel and through the rivals of these other doctors, he just like threw them out of the headquarters and Morel was relieved and amazed that Hitler you know, supported him, which sort of proves how dependent he was on Morel, and now there were no rivals for Hitler's attention. But it also goes to show how dependent Morel was on Hitler as well, uh, in terms of his, not just livelihood, but also his actual life. The Soviet army starts coming in from the east in 45, and Morel actually asked for permission to resign, but Hitler refused. So Hitler's condition starts to quickly deteriorate. So he has, you know, his stomach problems, he has heart problems, stress, everything is just now worse you know the soviet army and the allies coming in morel basically plays his last card and starts giving him a drug that's sort of his own concoction which he called vitamultin forte which basically appears to contain crystal meth more or less this pervitin drug that a lot of the german population was being given this shows that he'd probably become a regular user and in the notes that Morel has taken it shows about nine injections of this Vitamultin Forte while Hitler was in the bunker in that final month. By 1945 in March Hitler's final defense plans for Berlin had totally failed. He was trying to supplement what he had left of the army with children. One of the videos that's really interesting is it's like one of the last footages of Hitler and it shows that he has his left arm behind his back and it's shaking uncontrollably and neurologists say that left hand tremors are potentially as a result of Parkinson's disease uh, which can destroy the body and the mind. It causes stiffness of muscles, slows your movements, uh, it also can cause, cause cognitive slowness. Um, so it's said that Hitler would have probably both been physically and mentally unable to keep up with the rapidly changing events um, as the war was coming to an end. And the more ill he became, the more dependent he came on Morel. And that escalates then the drug use, which then causes other issues as well. So the end of March 1945, Soviets uh, launched their plan of attack. Morel has a conversation with Hitler and he suggests that he can write up, you know, a case history and Hitler says I've never been ill so there's nothing to write about so Hitler was not only in denial about the state of the war but he was also definitely in denial about his health uh, the Red Army attacks so after four days the Soviets break through German lines those hiding in the Fuhrer bunker have nowhere to go so April 22nd Morel writes dismissal Morel leaves the bunker boards one of the last planes out of Berlin later he was imprisoned by US military police he was released without being charged. In the end, he dies uh, from health issues resulting from his obesity. Hours after Morel left Hitler, uh, he broke down and said he was going to commit suicide. Yeah, pretty heavy topic, but I think it's pretty interesting. I don't know how often World War II comes up on first dates, um, but I guess uh, it depends on who you're dating, maybe. If there's anything you didn't know before this, uh, listening to this podcast, I'd love to find out what you learned uh, what was new. Um, if I missed anything, again, I'd love to find out a little bit more about what you know. Yeah, you can do all of that at uh, patreon.com slash impractical info. If you have any ideas for other topics that you think might be interesting for me to cover, you can also email me at impracticalinfopod at gmail.com. That's about it. See ya!